little time on the spiritual side of life. And so much time on the natural side of life. When the spirit life is what we should be all about. Turn to somebody and just tell them that right now. It's all about the spirit life. Folks, I give you this right now. The Holy Spirit is the essential person, presence, and power for any and all transformation into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. So we need to, as so many of you are going to miss this reference, many, many years ago when Billy Crystal first started and Saturday Night Live first started, he played this character that would go around and his big catchphrase was simply this, get to know me, right? Anybody remember that at all? That little guy does. He got excited. Get to know me. We need to get to know the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need to understand who he is, what he does, what all is available to us. And if there's ever a time to be expectant as we approach God's word, this is it. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates, gives spiritual wisdom, creates anew, convicts of sin, eliminates the truth, comforts, teaches, and seals us as redeemed in Christ, and so, so, so much more. So in this study, as we start this journey this morning, we're going to focus on two things. Hold, hold up two fingers. Two. Uno, dos, right? That's about all the Spanish I know except for burrito and chimichanga. <clears throat> you remember that? We're going to focus on two things. Who is the Holy Spirit? Write that down in your notes. You're not writing. Come on, write, people, write. Who is the Holy Spirit? And what all does he bring to us as God's people? And as we kick this off today, I want to do so by introducing you to the Holy Spirit. And I pray, I mean, I I pray this morning that you open yourself up to the fullness that he brings. Because when we are full of the Holy Spirit, get this church, There is no room left for the junk of this world to inhabit our lives. Then that makes sense if if I would bring a bucket up here, uh, uh, some kind of container, and I would fill it up with water, there would be no room left in that container for anything else to go in. Why? Because it would be full of water to the brim. To overflowing, actually. Just keep pouring in. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, as we're going to find out in a couple weeks, but I'm going to give you a little preview. It's not just a filling to the rim and whoop, God cuts it off. No, it's a filling to overflowing. Just continually a pouring of the Holy Spirit's power, presence, love, personhood in our lives to the point that it spills over our container and onto other people. Don't you want to be a spillover Christian? (laughs) Don't you want to just pour out to others as the Holy Spirit's pouring into you? So that's what it's all about. And this morning, we're going to take a minute just to look at five quick things of who the Holy Spirit is. And first off there, if you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit is a person. Plain and simple. He is a divine person who is one with God the Father and God the Son in what we call the Holy Trinity. Now, we need to be clear about three basic truths concerning the Holy Spirit, all of which are emphasized by the Apostle John in his first letter, 1 John. And and these three things are simply this. First, the Holy Spirit is a person, as I mentioned, not an it. Now, let me just take a quick survey. How many of you, like I did, grew up in a Pentecostal church? You ever heard that terminology? If you haven't, we used to say things like, brother, I'm saved, sanctified, and whoo, filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on. I mean, that tends to be the, the MO of the, the Pentecostal church. So I, I, was, I, was, I cut my teeth on it. I was born and raised in Pentecost. 
And I'm going to tell you something this morning. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Because although sometimes I got off base a little bit, right? It was always power-filled because of the Holy Spirit being alive and welcomed in those churches and those believers. And, and, but one of the things that they used to kind of get wrong about the Holy Spirit when we were talking about and praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which we're going to look at in the coming weeks as part of what he brings to us, is they used to gather around the altar and be praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And some of you are like, okay, it's time to get out of here now. Don't leave, let me assure you, that they would be praying for that person. And when the breakthrough came and the, and the Holy Spirit fell on them and, 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 and baptized them and they began to speak in tongues, some brother or sister would turn around and say, he got it. She got it. Oh, they got it right now. Didn't realize it then, but that's not correct terminology. Holy Spirit's not an it, but a he. He's a person. How many of you would like to be referred to as an it? Remember the Adams family, cousin it? I think he had a complex because they, they called him that. Poor guy. He's always just kind of moping in the background. The Holy Spirit is a person. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, he is referenced as he, where it says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater. I love that. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Not an it, but an he. And the second thing I want you to know is that he is a divine person. That he is God, the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Holy One, as 1 John 2, 20 says. says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things, and who is called the Spirit of God. I love that. He is divine. He is all-powerful, just as God is all-powerful, right? Do you believe that this morning? That God has all the power that there is and ever will be, that, that he contains that? And so does the Holy Spirit, because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are all what? One. And a lot of people say, Pastor, I just don't know how that works. How, what do you, the triune Godhead, the Trinity, it just kind of doesn't make sense. How many of you remember an athlete by the name of Bo Jackson? One of the greatest athletes ever to walk this planet, I do believe. And man, that guy would put on a football uniform and he would run people over. People would be holding on for dear life. He'd be dragging them to the end zone. That's how amazing he was as a running back in the, in the NFL and in college. But then baseball season would come and all of a sudden Bo Jackson would take off that football uniform and put on a baseball uniform and go out there and hit home runs, not just over the fence, but out of the stadium. And then the Tour de France came along and Bo said, hey, I can do biking too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was just a commercial. But if you think about it, it was the same guy in different uniforms doing all of these things. And it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all the same, one and the same, doing different things, different attributes and aspects of who God is. Jesus put on a, a mortal body. And he gave himself for us. And then he raised to immortality as the Bible says. But he went away so that the Holy Spirit could come. And not just be with small pockets of people. But could be with all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. Not constrained by any limitations. He is divine and also he is one with the Father and the Son. In the Trinity as we've already mentioned several times. We read that over and over again in 1 John's letter. The Holy Spirit is one with the Father and the Son. 
in unity. They will never, never, ever, ever disagree or be out of step with each other. How often do we get that part wrong, right? Have our little schisms and arguments and I see it this way, you see it that way. They never do that. They are one. Now listen, folks, we will never develop. Get this and write it down. We'll never develop a personal relationship with someone that we do not see as a person. Is that not basic truth? We've got to see the Holy Spirit as a person to really cultivate the relationship with him. But when we do acknowledge him as a person, then you will be able to develop a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. So for sure, the Holy Spirit is a person. And he is also the second thing I want to give you this morning real quick. Write it on your notes. He is personal. Man, I love that. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to every one of his children. I don't know about you, but I love gifts, right? I mean, if anybody wanted to give me a gift today or this week, it would not hurt my feelings at all. I would gladly accept that gift. Hint, hint. I'm just kidding. We, 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 we typically do love gifts. The excitement. The thrill. The, the re- realization. Now get this. That somebody actually cared enough about us. Thought enough about us to say, hey, I want to get you something. I mean, apart from the gift itself, the thought and the intention. That somebody took their resource, time, money, whatever it was, and went out and picked it out. Or nowadays, they sat down on their computer and ordered it from Amazon and said, whoop, get it here quick. And, you know, all that good stuff. But still yet, they did that. And here we see God saying to us, I love you personally. I love the whole world. He's got the whole world in his hands. You remember that old song? Every Sunday, I just keep dating myself. As ancient and archaic, but I don't feel that way. But let's, okay. You know, so he's got the whole world in his hand. He loves us all incredibly as, as, as humanity and yet personally. Would you just put your, your hand on your heartbeat right there on your chest where your, your, your heart's pumping inside there and, and realize that God loves you personally and intimately. And that's exactly why he sent the Holy Spirit to you. The Holy Spirit is not just power, not just a presence, but he's a person, and he wants a personal relationship with each one of us. Can I ask you this? When you wake up in the morning, how aware are you that the Holy Spirit resides in you? That he is the gift that God said is going to be yours upon salvation and conversion. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, he's the one that's going to lead you to Jesus and say, hey, you got to get your act right, man. You're heading down a bad place, and, and you need God to come and rescue you from your sins, and the Holy Spirit deals with us convicts us and keeps knocking at the door. Don't you love a relentless person who who just cares about you? Sometimes you don't, right? I mean, it's kind of like, leave me alone. But deep inside you, you know what? Man, they care like a mama caring for their child that's struggling with addiction that won't give up, that keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming and saying, baby, baby, I'm here. You You gotta get this right. I love you too much to see you hurt yourself like this. Don't you love that? The Holy Spirit does all of that personally and wants to have a personal relationship with every single one of us. John was writing to all believers, all born again people, all who were in the family of God and not just to a select few. So understand that. And I want you to notice the force of the words where he says in 1 John 2.20, you have. He says that to us. You cannot be a child of God and not have the Holy Spirit in you. He said, you have the Spirit residing in you. The Holy Spirit is in you, is in you, is with you, is for you, is yours. 
his spirit inside of you. Romans 8, 9 tells us this. But you are not in the flesh. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, I am. I took a shower this morning. I washed this flesh. I know it's, it's all here. I'm, but, but understand what I'm saying. He says you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, right? And then there's this huge small word next where he says, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not Christ's. He's not his. So there's the kicker. If we belong to Christ, if we have said yes to Jesus and his great and glorious offer of salvation, then guess what? Immediately the Holy Spirit, boom, comes in and resides in us. Is given to us as that gift. Mm, that's, I can't even hardly comprehend that. I mean, I say those words and I believe those words, but just to understand the reality of that, Think about that. God loves you right over here and here and here and here and watching so much that he said, I am going to gift you myself, my spirit, my presence, my power, my love, everything I'm going to walk through in the next few weeks. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't miss a week of this study. Me and Pastor Scott, we've been praying, planning, asking God, come and light a fire in us about who you are as the Holy Spirit invades our lives as never before. So, so just to understand that he loves us that much and gives us himself. And is that personal with us? Write this down, referencing a car again. As I mentioned a few moments ago, you ever go to the dealership and notice that they have on that, that sticker on those new cars? Now this here is standard equipment. We're going to give you an engine and a steering wheel and some tires on that puppy. Everything else is optional. <laughs> Ain't going to cost you a whole lot more money with the bottom line, right? You know what I'm talking about. Think of it this way. When we come to Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit and his power and love and presence is standard equipment that God says, it's not negotiable. You come to me and say yes to my offer of salvation, bam, you got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes standard equipment. Man, I love that. John 14, 16, Jesus said, I'm going to pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. In Acts 2, 37 through 39, I love this. This is where Peter, on fire with the Holy Ghost from the upper room, goes out into Jerusalem streets and began to preach the gospel as, as God had sent them out to do. And, 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 and the Holy Spirit on the 120 that was gathered there with Peter and, and the promise of, of, of Holy Spirit baptism. And verse 37 says, now when the people heard Peter preaching these words, they were cut to the heart. Who cuts to the heart? Who convicts of sin? The Holy Spirit. So get this picture. The 120 who was gathered in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came down and baptized them as fire fell on them as, as it looked like. And, and, and they began to speak in other tongues and they were filled with God's Spirit as promised. And they went out and P Peter couldn't help himself, just starts preaching. And this crowd gathers around and when Peter is preaching the word, the Bible tells us here they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. They realize, you know what? We're sinning right now. We're going against God's standard. We need to stop that. We need to make a turn, a 180 away from this and begin to run to Jesus Christ. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do now? Don't you love that? What do we do now? God has, could, something's going on. We're, we're convicted. We're cut to the heart. Dude, write that down in your notes. 
And let me ask you this. When's the last time you've been cut to the heart about something? Maybe something you're watching on Netflix. Maybe some conversations you're involved with. Maybe, I don't know, you fill in the gap. Maybe some things you're looking at. Breaking that covenant of your eyes with, with God to, to look at things that are pleasing and, and holy and right and true. But these people were cut to the heart and said, what do we need to do now? And then Peter said to them, repent. <laughs> That's some old time Pentecostal preaching right there. Some of you ain't too familiar with that apparently. So you better get on board. Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Amen. Me and her are excited about it. You shall receive it. Not maybe, not possibly, not well. If, if you check all these right boxes, then you could get no. You repent, you cry out to Jesus Christ, and boom, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then, here, I, this, this, this includes us right here. Verse 39. You don't believe it? Then, then check this out. For the promise is to you. He's talking to all those people right there gathered around him. And then he goes on and says, and to your children... All their descendants that are going to come later, even the ones that hadn't arrived yet, it's going to be to them. And then here's where we come into play, folks. And to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord will call. That's us. That gift is for us. That promise is for us. When we repent and cry out to God, when the Holy Spirit cuts our heart and says, stop doing what you're doing and turn from those things. Then the Holy Spirit just comes as we do that as a gift and invades us. So if we're a child of God, then he has given you the Holy Spirit as a gift, a personal gift that is yours. So then I ask the question, where is he? Third thing this morning, the incredible news is that the Holy Spirit indwells every one of God's children. We all get him as we just walk through. He takes up residence in us. But let me ask this question and write it down. How much of us does he have control of? Think about that. Just picture your typical day and week. What are the things that you call the shots in? And what are the things that you say, okay, Holy Spirit, you, you take these. Is it a 50-50 split? Is it a 60-40 split? Is it a 70-30? Is it a 10? I mean, I don't know. You know what your life consists of and how you, how you operate from day to day. I mean, what if we all dared to get up in the morning and pray a prayer like, Holy Spirit, you have all of me today. And we just come in here and sing a song. You can have my heart, all of me, Lord. I give it all. But, you know, I'm not the singer. That's why I'm not doing that part. But we sing those things. But how do we really mean or feel about those Proclamation. I mean, do we, are we really serious about what we're singing out? Because we're singing out prayers to God. We're singing out God's word because we're not singing kumbaya campfire songs in here. We are singing words to God that should and are supposed to mean something. So when we talk about where the Holy Spirit is, he lives within us. He dwells in us as God's people. Now, if you're not a follower of Christ, then guess what? No go. But it can be. But if you are... And he resides in you. How much of control do you, do you allow him to have? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. And, and, and if you will stay with me a couple more moments, I dare say that's where many Christians miss the mark. We still want to have the steering wheel 
call the shots, work things out in our own wisdom, strength, might. We want to live for Jesus in our own power. Can, can I caution you there? Does not work. But when we say, Holy Spirit, you lead, you guide, you direct, my life is yours. And then we began to actually live that out and walk that out. Look at me, church. <laughs> you will be amazed at the difference you will experience in your life. What if we prayed that every day? What if we were in a, a situation that just exploded? We didn't expect it, man. Somebody calls up and they're blessing us out for something. And all of a sudden, we're pulled in the middle of somebody's mama drama and all that stuff. And, and it just is, I never saw it coming. And then all of a sudden, the natural man wants to, oh, yeah, okay, well, you, 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 know, you know what I'm saying? You've been there and probably done that too. My brother Scott, co-pastor and, and friend, was sharing some experiences this week and shared a, an incident and said, man, I had to, mm, had to just dial it in and say, Lord, don't let me respond, but you respond through me. We've all had those great opportunities presented to us time and again. But how often do we stop and do that? How much of us does he really have? Listen to what, what's written in Romans 8, 9 through 11 again. But you are not in the flesh. And this is, this is written to Christians. But in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not in Christ. And if Christ is in you. Now, now go with me here. In verse 10. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But... The spirit of life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, and as believers, we have just seen evidence through God's word that he does, then get this. This is what happened. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, all of that is available to us. That strength, that power, that restraint, that, that wisdom, all, so many things. We can't even fit it all in in the study that we're going through this month. And, and we may have to pick this up later on. But all of those things that the Holy Spirit brings to us are readily available to us. But how often do we tap into them? Spiritually, it's like having a bank account that's unlimited. How many of you struggled this week? And man, you, you almost had too much week and not enough money. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the bills are stacking up. The money's not coming in. They're holding your pay for this. A, a fine or a penalty got, got hit on this or whatever. And you were like, how is it going to happen? But we've got unlimited resources in the spirit realm because of who the Holy Spirit is and everything that God offers to us in and through the Holy Spirit. But how often do we cash in? Come on, church. You're getting real quiet. And it's not easy. I'm not sitting up here saying, oh man, it's the easiest thing in the world. But hear me right now. It is possible. Whatever you struggle with personally, whatever sins that so easily beset you, as Paul wrote about, whatever that is, whatever, whatever can be defeated by the power of God's Holy Spirit. But question one is, do we want it to be defeated? 
too many times we get comfortable with it. We like it. We enjoy it. We're not sure we want to get rid of it even though it's killing us. Do we want it? And then secondly, if we do, are we willing to do what's necessary to see victory come and allow the Holy Spirit to really come and really break change? Now, some of you may not be back ever again at this church because of today. But you don't want some church and pastors going to get up here and tell you soft stories of groovy feelings and just pat you on the back each week, are you? Do we want real truth for real life? You want real power for real living? If the Spirit of Christ dwells in you, He will give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So if you're a child of God, He's in you now, giving you life, God's life in you and through you, real life, the life that you and I were created to live is there. Let's tap into everything he is and wants to be our internal control service our gps and our source of living for everything that we will face and and fourthly this morning the holy spirit doesn't walk out on us now now many of us in this room have have felt and discovered the pain of somebody whether it be a friend whether it be a parent, whether it be a spouse of saying you know what i know i committed to you but i'm done i'm out of here adios i am gone we know what that feels like. We know the, the, the hurt of that. But the Holy Spirit indwells the child of God and will not leave him. In the Old Testament, David prayed this prayer in Psalm 51, 11. He said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. That was a different time. That was before the Holy Spirit was poured out and sent to us as a helper. We don't have to pray that anymore. God's not going to just say, oh, you got it now. But man, I saw what you did the other day. So whoop, I'm taking him back for a little while. And you can get him back when you're good. We do that as parents, right? That video game is mine for a week until you can learn to behave yourself. And then you may get it back. And if you do something else, whoop, I'm going to take it back again, right? We Give, take, give, take. Yours, mine, yours, mine. I know that because we do that constantly at my house with that 13-year-old slushy champion that, that is coming home tomorrow. Pray for us, saints. Pray. God doesn't do that with the Holy Spirit. He indwells us. John 14, 16 tells us that he come to abide in us. You know what abide means? To stay. You know, like that company you had over for dinner and they just never left. And you were looking like, well, it's bed, getting close to bedtime and they're still abiding here. And, well, uh, you know, you would think at some point, I mean, all the food's gone and they've, they've drank all the sun drop already and the Oreos are gone. You would think they would leave at some point. That was for you, Noel, just for you, just for you. I saw that comment this week on Facebook. People taking cheap shots through the week. Come on, people. To abide means to stay. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit came to do. He came to stay. Now, now, this settles it. But of course, when we sin, and how many of you sin this week? Just let's be honest, okay? My hand's up. I know you're shocked and surprised. But I didn't walk on water all week. Just 95%. Just kidding. None of it. When we sin, we grieve him. That's what Ephesians 4.30 tells us. Write that down so you can look at it later. That, that we, we do grieve the Holy Spirit. He's in there going, oh, oh, no, oh, no, no, we don't, that's not us. We don't do that. That's grieving. And he's pushing us, stop, stop that. Don't, no more. 
I mean, really, you can think of it like a parent, a good, healthy parent who's going to keep you on the straight and narrow. And when you veer off a little bit, it goes, nope, just, nope, nope. That, mm, you, you know what you just did to me and God the Father? You just hurt our hearts. Now stop that. We don't do that. We also know that, that 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 tells us that when we disobey the Holy Spirit, we quench him. You ever been in a situation where you just felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit? Say, hey man, I know you went planning on going to Walmart today, but go to Walmart today. And you're like, what? I don't need to go to Walmart. Man, who wants to go to Walmart? I mean, really? Come on. You know, and you're like, no, nah, no. Nah. Some of you say, well, it's just my conscience. No, no. Many times it's the Holy Spirit saying, you know, this is what you need to do. And you go, and you're going, I don't even know what I'm here for. But if you need it, they got it here. That's, that's for sure, because Walmart carries everything, even coffins. You ever been on Walmart online? They sell coffins. Crazy. But all of a sudden, you're walking down aisle four just wondering, why am I here? And bam, while you're here, it just starts walking towards you. And you're like, hey, man, I know that guy. The next thing you know, they're pouring out their heart to you on aisle four in Walmart where the motor oil and stuff is and telling you that they've just had their wife to walk out the door on them and 25-year marriage over and just crushed and don't know what they're going to do. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just starts mm, giving you the wisdom and the words to minister. And, and right there in the middle of Walmart on aisle four, you say, brother, how about this? How about we just pray right now? And then we start meeting together once a week or ever, how many times it takes. And you start ministering to that person right there on aisle four in Walmart. And now you know why the Holy Spirit wanted you to go into Walmart. But you said, no, 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 no. I ain't got time for Walmart today. You go in there every time and you just think, I'm going to be in there 20 minutes, in and out, boom, boom, boom. And I see 14 people and I get in a line that's like 12 miles long because they got like one register open. And it's a Saturday afternoon and everybody and their brother's in there. I'm not going today. We can grieve and quench him. But I want us to know this morning that the Holy Spirit is completely committed to us. Through the covenant that God the Father established through the blood of Jesus and the promise of Jesus that he would send another helper to us. Completely committed. He's not going to walk out the door like other people have in our lives. Don't think that for a minute. And then the last thing this, this morning I want to give you is this. That the Holy Spirit is the source and the supplier of all that we need for holy living and effective service. And he does three things as we wrap this up this morning. Number one, he assures us. He gives us the absolute assurance that we are born again and are members of God's family. He does this through the word of God outwardly. 1 John 5, 13 says, these things I have written to you. That's the word, the, the letter, the pages of God's word. I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. We also know this by his indwelling inwardly inside of us. First John 5.10 says, He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. Who's the witness? The Holy Spirit. He's in there going, boy, you belong to God. You're his. Don't you ever doubt that. When Satan comes messing with you and trying to, trying to get you tripped up, the Holy Spirit's in there going, you belong to the king of kings. You are his. You are royalty. You don't need to fall for this mess. Stop it and move forward in God's power. Man, I love that. Secondly, he not only assures us, but he teaches us. Think about the wonderful truth revealed in 1 John 2, 20. We read a few moments ago in 27. Within us, we have the fountain of all wisdom, the wisdom, the, the spirit of truth himself. 
Now, we've, we've themed this year truth because the world all around us is falling for every lie that will come down the pike. But we are people of truth, and the Holy Spirit reminds us, teaches us, educates us in truth, in our King. And thirdly, he fortifies us. The indwelling Holy Spirit is greater than the devil or anything outside of us. As 1 John 4, 4 tells us, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is what? In this world. He fortifies, strengthens us, leads us from victory to victory. No matter what comes at us. So as we close, let me just challenge you and encourage you in this way this morning. I want to ask you this question. What will you do? What will you do? What's your takeaway from, from the message this morning, from the teaching, from, from God's Word? Because if, if we've come in here and I've spoke to you for 35 minutes, 40 minutes, or whatever it has been, and nothing is accomplished in your life, nothing has changed, and guess what? Somebody's missing it. Somebody's missing something somewhere. So how is this going to change us collectively as the people of God, the body of Christ here at Connection Church? What's going to be different in us? Well, let me just say this. Immediately, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christ follower, then it's time to surrender to Christ and receive, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that God gives us, as we talked about earlier. That the, the Holy Spirit comes as a gift and indwells you immediately upon conversion. I love that. That His Spirit is deposited into us and we are being transformed and renewed. So right now, the immediate step for some of you, if you just close your eyes for a moment this morning, is that you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, come and take me, all of me. You can have my heart. You can have everything I am. And if you're in here this, this morning and that would be your first step, your immediate need, could I just see your hands all across this room that would say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to surrender to Jesus Christ. I need to know life and more abundant life and the fullness of life. I need God's Spirit living in and through me. Would you just raise your hands all across this room? Anybody at all? Thank you. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Thank you. Anybody else? Now, if you've done that or making that decision this morning, here's what I want to ask you. Would you be willing to give him complete control? Would you be willing to say, Jesus, you've got it all. I, I, I want to take my hands off of things and give you authority to rule and reign in and through my life. Because secondly, I, I really believe there's a group of folks in this room and watching right now who would have to honestly say, you know what, Pastor, I, I'm saved. I, I've surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. But living in the fullness of His Spirit, I would have to say that right now that is a no for me, dog. <laughs> I'm not even close to that place. I'm not even close. I, I've, I've wanted control. I'm a control freak or, or maybe I just am scared or hesitant. I don't know what it is, but, but I, just, I just haven't gotten to the place where I say, Lord, it's all yours. Lead my life from this moment on. But today I say yes to your leadership, your power, your presence, your fullness, the person of the Holy Spirit being in charge of my life. How many of you would have to say, that? that's me. Would you pray for me today? Would you 
raise your hands and say, I, I'm, I'm giving myself to the Lord in that way today. Can I see your hands across this room this morning if that's you? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Folks, I'm telling you, this is, this is the stuff of life right here. Everything else is just a, a pitiful imitation. And far short of what God planned and designed for us. Why would he go through all the trouble to give us his spirit? Give us his life, his presence, his goodness. For us to not live in the fullness of who he is. So as you're turning that over to the Lord in your own life and surrendering fully to him. I just want to pray for you. But first, I want to challenge you in a couple of ways this week because I want, I want there to be some take-homes, some, some action steps beyond Sunday morning. And the first step that I want to ask you to make before we pray is would you ask God to help you in prayer every day this week to grow in your knowledge and understanding of his presence and power of the Holy Spirit? Will you seek to develop your understanding of the Holy Spirit and his, his presence in your life? Would you, would you pray that prayer every day this week? Just it, it won't take but a couple of moments, but you may find yourself expanding that prayer time as, as the Holy Spirit begins to, to minister fresh and new in you. But would you, number one, make it a point of prayer this week, every day? Say, God, show me all that you are, all of who the Holy Spirit is, God. Just, just reveal, uh, open the eyes of my understanding. And then secondly, I'm asking you to do this. The book of 1 John, would you just take time to read through that book this week? And I'm telling you, it's not like the Psalms. It's not 150 chapters. It's five small chapters. As a matter of fact, I would challenge you to read through it twice, maybe three times this week. Say, Lord, open my eyes. Teach me from your word, your truth. Let it come alive in me today through the power and the amazing presence of the Holy Spirit. And as you do those two things this week, do a third thing for me that just came to me. Ask the Lord to prepare you for what he has in store next week come Sunday as we open ourselves to continue to grow in and through the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me all across this room right now? And as you stand, we're going to pray together, and then we're going to worship together, and then you're going to be dismissed to go out and put into practice what God has challenged you with this morning. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your power, your presence. Thank you for your incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for those who said yes to Jesus this morning, immediately taking that first most important step of full surrender to Christ and his glorious salvation. God, come in, change and transform. Bring newness of life to every person who said yes to Jesus today. God, do that great work of salvation. And Lord, for all of us who need to begin to surrender more and more of ourselves to the Lord through the Holy Spirit and take our hands off the wheel more and more, God, let us walk that out. Let us practice that. Let us begin to rely on you, trust in you, seek you, Lord. Hear your voice, God. Move accordingly, God. And Lord, give you control. As scary as that sounds for some people, God, that we give you control. And Lord... We surrender to your Lordship through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit.
In Jesus' name and all God's people said together, amen, amen. Let's sing out together, church, and worship him one more time.